are we headed in the right direction in dealing with homelessness in California right now? No, we're actually going sideways with homelessness right now. We need to talk about accountability. Like AB 109 was passed, right? It realigned the, the prisons and just let people out. Well, most of those people in the prisons were homeless when they went to prison. So when they let them out, they don't let them back into somebody's doorstep, they let them back into society. And so now we're, we're stuck with them on our streets. What is it like for people to be homeless? And what is this criminal element? Not all homeless are criminals, but you do have a criminal element. The criminal element really runs the homeless world. If you looked at the Santa Ana Riverbed, what is the number one thing that they had the most of? Were bicycles. They just go to the local communities and steal all the bicycles. And you know the criminal element made money by stealing those bicycles. And there are some people that buy high-end bicycles from the, the criminals. The homeless population in California continues to rise despite all of the effort and money we're putting towards it. You may wonder why we can't solve this problem. My guest today is Robert Pequeño, mayor of Lake Forest. Today he will give us his insider perspective on homelessness from his first-hand experience as a homeless officer. He also discusses how current California policies such as the prison reform and Housing First are not solving homelessness. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Well, thank you for having me, and I love your show. Thank you. We want to talk to you about homelessness. And based on your assessment, are we headed in the right direction in dealing with homelessness in California right now? No, we're actually going sideways with homelessness right now. I think the, some of the policies that we put in place have enabled homeless to can stay there and, and they're in place. Like, let's just talk about shelters, right? If you put a, give somebody a shelter, you're just giving them a te temporary fix, right? So we, need, we do need permanent solutions, but before that, we need to talk about accountability because once they, like AB 109 was passed, right? It realigned the, the prisons and just let people out. Well, most of those people in the prisons were homeless when they went to prison, so when they let them out, they don't let them back into somebody's doorstep, they let them back into society. And so now we're, we're stuck with them on our streets, right? So, you know, the, the government tries to do things, but when they do, they, they don't really think them all out. And just like prop, prop, uh, passing Prop 47. Prop 47 was a, was a horrible prop, and you know, it, it further emboldened the homeless. And before I go any further, I wanna say that, you know, I truly believe that homelessness is not a crime but you have some bad actors within the homeless community that give the rest of the homeless a bad name. And it's almost like with police, right? You have one person that does something wrong and so the whole institution is, is corrupt. And that's not the case. You know, there, there are some homeless that, that truly need a hand up and a hand uh, to get helped out off the streets. But what we see on, on the news every day is the bad side of homelessness, the encampments, the crimes, uh, you know, the drug use, the uh, the mental illness and you know the, the state tries to overcompensate to fix and when they do they pass laws that just totally send us back into time and so there's a whole timeline from when we started with the homeless basically saying okay we're, we're not going to tolerate certain things and then over time we start tolerating more and more and more until we're like holy you know what's going on here uh, now cities are starting to push back say hey you have to do something and do something now if you look at uh, San Francisco, they're starting to crack down on homeless. Sheriff Villanueva, God bless his heart, went and took 
uh, Venice Beach back, right? So they're, they're the law, law enforcement, it's, it's not law enforcement's job to fix this, but law enforcement has to, right now, has to step up and stop uh, all the crime that's going with it. Like I said, not every homeless person is a criminal, but there's an element out there that are criminals because they were in prison before and now they're out free, you know, making it look bad for everybody else. So who is in charge of dealing with this? Can you explain how it works, how the state is dealing with it, with the homelessness? What, what is the process and are the cities? Because some cities, when you look at California, you're the mayor of Lake Forest, right? Yes. Certain cities in Orange County or, or even in the Bay Area, they, or even in LA, they don't have this problem. And then certain cities, they have camps. What's going on? How does this work? It's a matter of tolerance, right? So some cities, uh, and we'll use San Francisco as an example. San Francisco, it, it's a, it's a left-leaning city, and uh, they have this, what I called, privileged guilt. So they have houses, there's people on the streets that don't have houses, so hey, let's turn a blind eye to, to the homeless situation and everything that comes with it, uh, and you know, it, we, we'll be fine, we'll just leave it alone. But then, you know, over the years they have their little poop maps that they do where you can't walk, and then the Tenderloin District was completely taken over by the homeless and the criminal element, right? And so now, we fast forward to today, the mayor's like, hey, let's put a stop to this, you know, I'm sick and tired of this, let's, let's take care of it. So I think local governments, uh, what I say is you get what you accept. You mentioned privilege guilt. Uh, can you explain this more? How, how does it work and what does it mean? So what happens, this, my thought is that, okay, I have a home, you know, I have, I have an income, I have food and, you know, I have a place to sleep at night and that person doesn't, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lean on my policymakers to say, hey, we need to, to be a little bit more compassionate with them and stop, start turning a blind eye to what they're doing. You know, okay, they, they need a place to sleep don't have a problem with that. But, you know, and don't mind that they're building encampments and don't mind that they're committing their crimes because they just can't help it. And so policymakers are like, okay, we won't, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll kind of turn a blind eye to it. And, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe leaders of cities tell the police chief, hey, don't, don't patrol so hard with this, these, this, these folks. And so it, there's the guilt of, hey, I'm sleeping nice and they're not. And that kind of backfired in a sense because the accountability went away. Is that accountability went away completely, and now people are, um, you know, the whole t the whole the way it all went is we used to uh, hold them accountable. Then we went through this whole period of, okay, let's just let's let's pass these laws that, you know, keeps us from having teeth uh, to get you know to fix the problem uh, of the, the crimes. And now we're back to, okay, hey, let's start passing laws again. And, you know, hey, Sheriff Villanueva, get out there and uh, clean it up. And, you know, let's clean up the tenderloin. Let's clean up, let's clean up L.A. Uh, and I think, I think we should have been doing this all along. So, you know, uh, t today's, today's favors are tomorrow's expectations. Now, dealing with the homeless, there's a personal element too for all of us as individuals. You know, like a lot of times when we run into homeless people, we want to help them. But at the same time, it's a lot of times it's awkward situation. You don't know if they're going to use this money correctly. Also, there's some of the homeless that have mental issues where they're talking to themselves. You don't know if they're going to do something to others. 
how, how do we deal with this? H how does it work? I've always said never ever give a homeless person money or food, right? Um, the money you give them is not going to be spent the way you think it's going to be spent, or unless you think they're going to spend it on a substance that's not good for them. If you want to give money, give money to organizations that help the homeless. And the ones that help the homeless is homeless people that are not in the criminal element, you know, like families without, uh, uh, without home, right? So like I'll just use a nonprofit that we use, not, uh, Families Forward. They help families and they get, they, their whole uh, purpose is to help people get back into society. And so you're, the money that you give that homeless person on the, on the corner could go to Families Forward and they, you know, a uh, couple hundred thousand dollars, next thing you know, somebody is getting moved into housing and off the streets. So, uh, and then if you give them food, uh, you know, no homeless person is ever, gonna uh, is ever gonna die of hunger in Orange County because there's plenty of food to be given out. So if you give them money, you're not helping them uh, at all. Is there services for the homeless? If all the homeless people wanted to get housing or support, are they getting that? Do they get that from the government resources? N not really. Um, so the state's passing that the regional uh, housing needs assessment or the arena numbers where we have to get low income housing. Everybody has to, uh, has a every city has a percentage that we have to meet for low income housing. So part of the problem in California is there's the, the, the housing market is too expensive and the rent's too expensive for a lot of people. So for a homeless person, if he makes $2,000 a month, rent's 2000 so does he, you know, how, how does he spend his money? So that's one of the problems. But and a lot of these organizations uh, don't have enough bed spaces to put these homeless people in. And one of the other things you have to look at when, when you deal with the homeless, you have uh, some homeless that are just service resistant. No matter what you offer them, they're not going to take it. So they want to be on the streets? Yes. And before, was there a policy to deal with that? You mentioned that we had more accountability and w was it different how we were doing? Because we didn't see as many homelessness in the streets, right? A couple well, of decades ago, a decade ago. So there was no policy. There was just zero tolerance of the uh, secondary effects of homelessness, crime, encampments. You know, that's why some cities were passing the, uh, the sleep ordinances, you know, sleeping and camping ordinances. So cities were like, we're not going to deal with that and uh, we're going we're gonna to cite for it. But take Laguna Beach, for instance. They were citing for sleeping on the beach. They get sued by the ACLU, and now they have a homeless shelter in their city. So cities start to see that. They're like, okay, uh, let's, let's take a step back and not enforce so heavy because next thing, you know, we don't want a homeless shelter in our city. So cities were doing that. Uh, Santa Monica was doing the same thing. The difference between the two cities is Santa Monica documented every encounter in detail and offered services. Hey, we have a place for you to stay. We, and so if they declined, then that's when they, they did their enforcement. So there was nothing ever in place. It was just z very low tolerance. And so after the lawsuits, the tolerance went up because people wanted to stay out of litigation. Now you've dealt with this a lot in your experience. You have tremendous experience in this space. What is the solution to this? <laughs> That's a hard question. The solution is uh, you have to start by moving back to um, accountability is number one. Okay, so AB 109, like I said, did the prison realignment. And because I say the prisons were overcrowded, um, 
and it costs $109,000 a year to house a, an inmate. Uh, what do you think it costs to, to, to house a, a homeless person, right? In prison, they have uh, medical services, you know, they have rehab, they, you know, their access to drugs is not as easy as it is here. They do have access to drugs, but not like it they do on the streets. So uh, I'm not saying to incarcerate them all, I'm just talking about that the bad actors in the prison or in the homeless population, you get rid of those. Because sometimes the, these organizations that spend money on homeless, they spend uh, money on homeless that are never really going to accept the services. They just do enough to get, you know, a bed for the night, a hotel for the night, uh, food, vouchers, or whatever these organizations give them, knowing full well that they're not going to fall follow the program all the way through. And so I think part of it is the accountability. So if they commit these crimes, you know, uh, Prop 47 made felony uh, drug possession into a misdemeanor. So misdemeanors, you know, the, the penalty is up, up to one year in jail. So the judge could say, okay, I'll give you three weeks in jail. But when it was a felony, it's from a year plus. So, you know, the, okay, now you're going for sure for a year. Hopefully, you know, the, the prison system will fix it which that was another failure of the state is the prison systems could have done a little bit better job of the corrections of what, you know, what it was supposed to do. But, you know, and, you know, I'm Monday morning quarterback, you know, I'm pretty sure there was things that got in their way, but that was part of the problem. So how much money are we spending on each homeless person or on homelessness right now? So I, that, I just saw that, um, LA, San Francisco, and Seattle spend a billion dollars a year on the homeless. That's a lot of money. And I'll just use Seattle, even though it's not California. Seattle spends a billion dollars a year, and when you break it down, it's, it's $80,000 per ho homeless person. And uh, that's a, a lot year. of money. A year. A so, year. So that's even more than average, probably median income, or close to the median income, oh, yeah? right? Is that? Yeah, and, and yet their homeless problem keeps increasing. You mentioned about the criminal element inside the homelessness. Can you explain to us how does it work? What is it like for people to be homeless and what is this criminal element? So the criminal element, those are the ones, because a lot of people are careful when they talk about homeless, right? They never want to say bad choices were the reason that they're homeless because you'll get a lot of scrutiny from that. But your criminal element, it's every bit of bad choices that put them there. So. You know, and I want to make that distinction. You know, that's why I made the distinction at the beginning is that not all homeless are criminals, but you do have a criminal element there and they got there because of the bad choices of using drugs, committing crimes, whatever it is, to, to, to get put in that place. So uh, to be the criminal element really runs the homeless uh, world. I mean, if you looked at the Santa Ana Riverbed, what is the number one thing that was the, they had the most of were bicycles, right? Those bi they just go to the local communities and steal all the bicycles, and they ended up on the, uh, you know, if you went to the Santa Ana Riverbed at any point when it was, when it was full, when, it, when they had the camps when there, they had the camps there you, you would see bi bicycle carcasses everywhere. And, you know, the criminal element made money uh, by stealing those bicycles. And there are some people that buy high-end bicycles from the, the criminals. And so the criminals do the, you know, they, they, they buy, they sell, they do drug possession, drug sales, right? And so that's how they make their money. They make their money off the vulnerable because, you know, somebody with a mental illness may need drugs just to self-medicate. So, okay, hey, go steal me that bike, bring me the bike, I'll give you some drugs, 
and we'll call it even. So is it like a mafia organization that's running kind of? How does it work? It, it is a criminal element. You do have some people that you know that they're, they're the ones that are in charge of the homeless and they're the ones that are, are calling the shots on the streets. I've heard that when people become homeless, the most danger they have is from other homeless. Absolutely. Uh, homeless people are territorial. So, and, and because there's a lot of theft amongst them. So uh, if I leave my backpack and I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go ride my bicycle and go do something, maybe go buy some drugs down the road. I come back and my backpack's gone. So they steal from each other. So now they're like, hey, this is my area. Don't come into my area. Uh, and m in my experience, just about every chronic homeless person that I ran into had a weapon of some type. To protect themselves. To protect themselves and to protect their property. From other homeless people. Yes. You mentioned the housing cost. You know, one of the things I've seen that there's a lot of people from different countries that come to the U.S. And a lot of times we don't see those people on the streets. People share the homes. Like, you know, it's still, I think it's still with the minimum wage, you can afford to rent a room and even you can share it with three, four people, but still you will be in a, in a room. Is that, how much of it is, is the housing cost and how much of it is other family issues or issues that are bad choices? It, uh, with that one, so there are, like if you do, you see people from usually South America that come and they pack into a house, right? Because they know I can, I can rent a closet for $300 a month, right? But there are some people, there's just some people that won't do that. Like, hey, I want my place for myself, right? I don't want to share with others and, you know, cause, or that's not my style or they, it, doesn't, it didn't occur to them to do something like that. So uh, that the housing is, that's, that's, that's the funny one because I've seen, you know, as, when I was a deputy and I would go to calls to, to, to like apartments and there was a partition in the, in the living room where a family's living in just that little partitioned living room and then somebody's sleeping in one room, some, and even somebody's sleeping in the closet. So, uh, but they make, it, they make it work. And those homeless, or those people that are, you know, maybe sleeping in hotels and, and in nooks and crannies or couch surfing, those are called your hidden homeless. And those, well, those numbers will never show up in your point in time count. And what about these numbers that we're getting? Uh, what are your thoughts on the point of time count? How does it work? Is it the numbers have gone up significantly in the last few years, right? They've gone up and down. And so the point in time account is a snapshot in time. So we can go out, you and I can go Which out Which is today. the count of the number of the homeless, right? Yes, so you and I can go out and one morning and spend five hours in a little area and we'll, we'll interview and count the homeless. And then we do it again next week. So this first time we get number, we get 15. Next week we get five. So do we have 15 or do we have five? Right. So when you start seeing these numbers, these numbers are just a snapshot in time. And, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, hey, our numbers went down. But uh, I'll give you, for example, in this point in time count, Aliso Viejo in 2019 had one homeless. Then this last count, they had 19. So they had a 1900 uh, percent, percent increase. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you see a 1900 percent increase, you're going to be, like, oh, what's what's going on? Well, they just, the count wasn't the same as, you know, as the snapshot in time. I did the one for my, uh, my city in Lake Forest and they gave me four hours to do the count. And luckily, because I was a deputy in Lake Forest and I knew where all the homeless congregated, uh, I was able to look through all the nook and crammies and me and my uh, uh, 
communications director or a man, uh, director, Jonathan Voltsky, we f we found 20. And then it was, hey, we got to go. I was like, well, I know where a bunch more are. He goes, no, we got to go. Let's go back. So it, it, like I said, it's just a snapshot. So when you start seeing these numbers, those aren't those aren't true numbers. And it's based on what people could see during that time. But if you didn't see them, right? Or, yes. or maybe there were some in this city and there were some in the other city. Well, maybe there were some sleeping in the car on the street that we didn't check. Or somebody at, you know, at the hotel that had enough money for the hotel for the night. So like when you're hitting homeless is a big number. But, and what that number is, I want to say 20 to 30% more than what that numbers, uh, the numbers that we see that are published. Now you mentioned accountability. What are they going to do? Now we're going the route of having more accountability. Does it mean that putting people in prison or does it mean that forcing people to get care or going into these? Where, where do you think this is headed? Uh, I don't think prison is a solution. Uh, prison is a solution for those that, the bad actors, that, that you, need to, you need to take them out of the equation when we talk about homelessness. And, um, you know, the governor's talking about this care court that, uh, that he's, he's bringing out. Uh, my research has led me to, you know, a, the ACLU and Human Rights Watch say it's unconstitutional, right? So the, the care court, you know, uh, the, the last part of the care is empowerment, right? But there's nothing empowering about involuntary, involuntary treatment. So they're, they're gonna force them into treatment. Uh, but if you look at it, it, to me, it feels like 5150 on steroids, right? 5150, you can, put somebody in, 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 mental, in, in the hospital for if they're a danger to themselves, danger to the others, or gravely disabled, right? So this care court is, you know, some judge is gonna make a decision or, or based off of a, a therapist's or, you know, uh, somebody's decision and gonna put them in, 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 in forced therapy. So uh, that's, that's scary because you know, what if you get a th somebody that makes a bad diagnosis? Now you're forcing somebody basically into uh, a confinement, which is tantamount to jail. You know, they're, they're, they're not gonna be free. So, the, and then on top of that, who's, how's that gonna get paid for? Are we gonna take away from the other homeless people that need this help? And then you're, now you're gonna overburden the courts with these? Now, the point in time count this last point in time count, uh, about 25% uh, admitted to having a mental health issue. But of that 25%, how many really do you think fall into that care court category that need, the, you know, need to be, uh, have a conservatorship put over on them? It's a small amount. And then you, you, you spread it across the state. It, that's, a, you know, that's a lot of working parts for a small amount of people. So where do you think this is headed based on what you see? I don't know, but I'm going to get some popcorn and watch because it's, 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 it's going to almost turn into like Prop 47. Prop 47, the Safe Neighborhood and Schools Act, which should have been called the No Accountability Act, is, is you know, they thought it was a great idea when they, they put it up and when they passed it. But look at the, look at the turmoil it started and crime just skyrocketed because of because there's no accountability. You know, people making, uh, are committing crimes uh, and are getting let loose. Uh, and one of the other props they passed was, I think it was Prop 25 for the, uh, the Nobel uh, prop. And so they, 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 somebody thought that was a great idea. It's like, hey, you know, I don't think it's 
it's fair that somebody that doesn't have money can't pay bail. Well, you shouldn't have committed the crime. You wouldn't have to worry about the money. So there was a story in Glen Glendale that a, a gentleman or a person stole a car, got arrested, got released same day, stole another car, got arrested again, and released again, and stole something else, and got arrested three times in one day. We you know, covered that, that story. You yeah. did, <laughs> yes. and, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like, so, you know, these props that we're passing, you know, is anybody thinking this out? It, 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 it's, it's amazing, and I, you know, like I said, sometimes I'm like, okay, let me just sit back and watch, and, you know, I don't want to be an I told you so, but we continue to make these mistakes with our legislators, right? Because they want, they want, they want to, um, they want to preserve people's constitutional rights, right? Which I don't have a problem with, but you also have to, that when it comes to accountability, that there, that you have to ha take a hard stance. Like if you committed a crime, and three in one day means that you probably need to stay in jail. Uh, because, you know, I think one of those, those car thefts was a carjacking, and they let them go. Uh, so the accountability is number one, and all these props that they've passed in the past few years have done nothing but made it worse. And, you know, so the, the homeless person that just is trying to get by is lumped in with this criminal element of homeless. So now s some people in society are like, I don't want to get rid of them all. Well, that, that's not a fair. It's not a fair assessment. Uh, I think there's some hopeless uh, homeless people that just need a little hand up, and they move along like that veteran I was talking about. Uh, but you know, and those bad actors, and we know who they are. Just look at their rap sheets. They need to be put away, and uh, the state just needs to to rebalance everything and stop doing knee jerk reactions like this care, this care court. Like, hey, okay, we got the solution. Solution's not there. That's not a solution. So Robert, tell us the story of how you got involved with, with the Homeless tax, Task Force in Orange County. Okay, so what happened is I was a new deputy in Lake Forest, right? The city I lived in, I wanted to patrol it. And um, one, one day I had a, a call for a homeless person that was on the railroad tracks. And so I go to, I go, I go to the call, I find him, and he is so drunk I can't even get his name. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm on training, I see my training officer, he's, he's like, okay, how are you gonna handle this one? And I started to sweat, and I was like, okay. And he's on the tracks, like? Well, he's right next to the railroad tracks, okay. but you know, we need to get him out of there because he was screaming and hollering and bothering the neighbors. But, uh, and, you know, and I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna fail tonight because how would I get this? So um, I get him in the car and I start driving. I'm gonna take him to jail because it's a crime to be on, it's a misdemeanor to be on the railroad tracks. So I take him to the intake release center, and luckily I worked there. So I got my friends to live scan him so I could figure out his name and book him in. And so I got back and I thought to myself, I says, you know what, I'm gonna start a little log of all the homeless people because this is probably not the last time I'm gonna run into an incident like this. So my last day of training, my youngest son was in a car accident and was put in a coma for nine months, or for six years. And so I was out of work for nine months. <clears throat> so my first day back to work, uh, the Orange County, uh, Orange County Intelligence Assessment uh, Center heard that there was going to be a large migration of homeless to Lake Forest because we were building a sports park and across the street from the sports park is Saddleback uh, Church. And Saddleback Church was opening up a peace center. 
So somehow in, in Santa Ana, they're like, hey, there's an Airbnb with a food pantry across the street. And so we're gonna all migrate to Lake Forest. And so my chief said, hey, uh, welcome back. And I hear you have this log on all the homeless you ran into. How about being the homeless officer? And I was like, uh, well, let me back it a little bit. It was my last day of training. They didn't have to hold my position in the city. They could have just said, hey, come back when you're ready and you can go through training again. Well, the city didn't do that. They, 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 they invested in me. And so when I get back, the chief's like, hey, let me put you, uh, you know, hey, how would you like to be a homeless officer? And I was like, that's not vice, that's not gangs, that's not, you know, that's not something that most cops wanna do. And I was like, I'll pass. So I drove home and I felt like an idiot. They, they invested in me. My first words were no. So I, I went back the next day and I said, hey, chief, sorry for being an ingrate. Uh, I'll take the job. And so he said, fine, take it. And so I said, okay, what do I do? He goes, figure it out. And so from then I, had, I went to this different cities. I went to uh, Laguna Beach, Fullerton, San Diego, Santa Monica, Orange. I mean, I went everywhere to find out what they were doing with their homeless. And so I was like Lewis without Clark. So I started uh, figuring it out. And my first thought was, okay, I need to have a different approach. I need to have, go from my warrior mentality into a guardian mentality. So I, I asked the chief, hey, can I change my uniform and not wear the green uniform? Can I wear a black polo that says homeless officer on it? And uh, he says, yeah, sure. So I got me a black polo and that made the big difference. And uh, people would ask me, homeless officer? And you said something earlier, it's like, do we have homeless in the city? I was like, oh yeah, we have homeless in the city. And they're like, I don't see them. I was like, well, when you drove to work today, how many green cars did you see? Well, I don't remember seeing any. Does that mean there's no green cars? Is that you just haven't seen them. So in, in 2015, you know, homelessness hit the spotlight, right? And so now everybody sees them. So that's how I got started. And luckily the migration never happened from Santa Ana. And so I just, I just started, uh, getting into, you know, learning everything about the homeless. That summer I lost 15 pounds because I did more walking uh, through the trails and through the creek beds than I did driving. And so uh, one of my victories, I have a few, but I think one that really stands out to me and uh, I, I felt really good about is I went, uh, we have a Walmart up in Foothill Ranch and um, there was a van parked in the parking lot and it was, it was parked kind of odd. So I walked up to it and there was a lady asleep in the front seat. And so when I find, shine my flashlight in the back seat, I saw two little babies on the seats and then another older child, five, six on the third seat. And so I knock on the window. I was like, Hey, what's going on? She says, I'm sorry, I'll leave. I said, no, 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 no. What's going on? And she said, uh, well, you know, my husband's abusive and we left the house. And so we have no place to go. And I thought, let me get your information. Uh, and she said, I own my own cleaning business. I just, he just took all the money and he emptied it out on our bank account. So I have no, I have no money now. So one of the apartment uh, complexes in my city, uh, I had dealt with the manager a few times and she was pretty nice. We had a, a, you know, a cordial relationship. And I called her and says, hey, I got this lady here that's homeless with three kids, two, and the two kids were 18 months old. They were small kids. And uh, she has a job, but you know, she's having trouble with her husband. 
And she says, well, send her down to me. And, you know, I said, hey, is there a way you can pass, you know, you know, like first and the deposit and all that. Can you get past all of that and just let her move in and just she goes, yeah, send her down. So she took her in and, uh, you know, that was my first victory. I housed four people. So you were on the ground and working with the homeless who we were dealing with this challenge that uh, we're facing. And what do you think is going on with the lawmakers and the policymakers? Do you think they understand the, the problem much based on the policies that we're passing? I, I, I don't think they understand. Um, I think they, they hear one segment, or I don't know who's advising them, but they're giving them bad advice. But me on the ground, speaking to the homeless, you know, I, I started the homeless uh, program uh, in Lake Forest. And um, my conversations were candid, like, you know, like, hey, how did you get here? And like, well, I don't want, you know, this, is, I got, you know, I was, I was always doing this, that or the other, right? Whether it be drugs or other, other mischievous things. And uh, I was like, well, what if you got in a home? Like, that means I have uh, responsibility. I don't want responsibility. And so that, that's another thing. But lawmakers themselves, I think they don't see it from the ground level. And we had a judge here in Orange County that was legislating from the bench, right? I mean, you know, you talk about the, uh, the government, the, the, the judicial, the, you know, the three, the executive, the three branch, e yeah, executive yeah. and uh, legislative. They shouldn't be crossing. So this judge shouldn't be just, you know, telling the city what they should be doing. That's, that's not his, he's out of his lane. And so uh, luckily South County cities disqualified him and we have a judge out of LA that takes our, our cases. So now do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Yes, um, so like, like I said, homelessness is not a crime. It's a, it's a, it's a very complex issue. And, but I think giving somebody money on a corner is not gonna solve it. And when it, when it comes to voting on these different props that come out, uh, really, really, really pay attention. You know, get to somebody who's super smart on these, on these propositions and don't pass them. I mean, uh, like I said, Prop 47, AB 109, Prop 57, just about every prop that's, that's made us to where we're at today need to be repealed and, you know, start paying attention that if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Robert Pequeño, Mayor of Lake Forest, it was great to have you on California Insider. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.